Welcome back to another episode of our Yasha Ministries Let's Rap Reveal podcast. We are still talking about generational curses and generational sins, sins of the Father. I always like to take time out in the beginning of our podcast to just welcome those who may be joining us today for the very first time. I want to say welcome. I always say again and again, it is not by chance or coincidence that you are listening to me right now. But you better believe, beloved, it is by God's divine order, and he has ordered your steps right into my Let's Wrap Reveal podcast. I also want to say and thank those who continue and have followed this podcast from the beginning, year after year. I want to say thank you. Thank you for continuing to listen, like, but most of all, who continue to comment and share. I am eternally, and I will forever be eternally grateful. Thank you. I know that we have people who are listening from all around the world um, to this podcast, and I am so grateful to every one of you in every country, every state, any parts of the earth where the Lord has allowed this podcast to reach. I am so, so very grateful to God for the things that he is doing in our Yasha ministry. As I said in the beginning, we're going to continue on with this powerful series entitled Generational Curses generational sin, sins of the father. Again, I just want to take a moment though to remind you of what exactly generational curses and generational sin means. What is generational curses? Generational curse is described as a cumulative effect on a person or a thing that the ancestors did believe or practice in the past. Let me repeat that. Generational curse is described as a cumulative effect on a person or a thing that their ancestors did or believe even practice in the past. Now, what exactly is generational sin? Generational sin is doctrine uh, or habits, even behavior that has been passed down from one generation to the next. A lot of times we are products of what we've seen what we've been taught, that would be considered as generational sin. Generational curses, to me, you would not even have to, I wouldn't have to know you or even have to be around you constantly to begin to uh, play out some of the behaviors of generational curses. There are just some curses that follow bloodlines and I may not even know you. In other words, we don't have to be raised in the same household in order to mirror or play out generational curses. I remember hearing the story about this set of twins who were separated at birth and then they were raised in total different uh, states. However, when they finally met up, they found that their life mirrored each other in a lot of ways. They both struggle with drug addiction. They both have problems with alcoholism. They both have been married a number of times. There are just some things that we're genetically connected to or spiritually connected to that follows our bloodline versus those things that we have seen, that we grew up around, that we practice. Like for instance, if you grew up around a family member that was angry, that yelled a lot, maybe you grew up with that same attitude, not knowing how to uh, process problems. You grew up learning that behavior or acting out or different things. And, and we covered all the different Uh, types of generational sin and generational curses in the beginning of this episode. If you have not listened to that, I do encourage you to go back and do so because this 
series is accumulative. Um, you would definitely need to go back to part one in adultery, your secrets, your secrets, and listen and catch up so that you can stay up with us. Uh, if you try to jump in in the middle of this series, you may be a little lost or confused about what we're talking about. So if you are one of those who are listening for the very first time, I just want to let you know so you know exactly what it is you're looking for. This series entitled Generational Curses, Generational Sins. We started out with the introductory, You're Sick as Your Secrets. And then I went on to part one. Part one is the same as the title of the series, Sins of the Father. The next section we covered was part two, Sins That Run Deep. And then we moved on to part three. Part three is part two of Sins That Run Deep. Then we cover part four, The Next Generation. We went on to part five, which is also part two of The Next Generation. And the last episode that we covered was Be Clean, Change Your Garments, part six. Okay, now that you're all caught up, once again, we're talking about generational curses, generational sins, sins of the father. Now, what exactly is sins of the father? Sins of the father are known as ancestral sin or iniquities that are passed on from one generation to another. So anytime we think about past sin, past iniquities that are passed on from one generation to the next, we are talking about sins of the father. And just for the record, it does not have to only be sins of the father. It can also be sins of the mother. We're talking about ancestral sin or iniquities. That's the key word, ancestral sin or iniquities that are passed on from one generation to the next. This is what this entire series is about. And just as a reminder, on episode six, on our last episode, we covered the subject of be clean, change your garments. We know that the Lord tells us in his word, he commands us. He said, be ye holy for I am holy, says the Lord. So we know that we have to be holy. I am your host, Elder Shanina Walker. And today on Let's Wrap, we're going to be continuing with this powerful series entitled Generational Curses, Generational Sins, Sins of the Father, Part 7, The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Let's Wrap. I want to start with this scripture, seeing that we just talked about our last uh, episode. We talked about the Lord said, be ye holy for I am holy. So I want to start with the scripture of Ezekiel, the 36th chapter and the 25th verse. We're going to start again at Ezekiel, the 36th chapter, beginning at the 25th verse. Ezekiel was reminding the children of Israel that the Lord wanted them to be clean. And it reads, then I will sprinkle clean water upon you and ye shall be clean from all your filthiness and from all your idols. I will cleanse you. A new heart also will I give you and a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statues and ye shall keep my judgments and do them. And ye shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers, and that ye shall be my people, and I will be your God. Now, in this particular chapter, this is Ezekiel speaking. He's pretty much saying the exact same thing that Jacob was saying many, many years before to the children of Israel, the ones who were just starting out. I found it very 
ironic that God is continuing over and over again. As we read throughout the Old Testament, he's constantly reminding the children of Israel about the idols, about the gods that they're worshiping, about being clean. Um, so what is he saying here? He was saying to them, he said, I'm going to bring you back to your own land. He said, I'm going to pour water over you and scrub you clean. I'll give you a new heart. He said, I'm going to put a new spirit in you. For, he said, what I'm going to do is I'm going to remove the stone of heart out of your body. And I'm going to replace that stony heart with a heart that is God-willed, a heart that's not self-willed, a heart that's willing to do what I've, I've told you to do and I've commanded you to do. He said, I will put my spirit in you and make it possible for you to do what I tell you and to live by my commandments. He said, you will once again live in the land that I gave to your ancestors. You'll be my people and I'll be your God. I want you to know, beloved, that this commandment is not just for the children of Israel. This commandment still rings true today for us as believers. God is saying to us today that some of us, we just need to be changed. We need to be clean. We need to allow the word of the Lord to scrub us clean, not only scrub us clean, but give us a new heart and to put a new spirit within us to make it possible for us to break these generational curses and generational sins off of our lives so that we might be able to do what he tells us to do and live by his commandments and not from what we've been taught by our ancestors. If ever there was a time we need to learn how to be God-willed and not self-willed as people of God, now is the time. It is only through the spirit of God that it will be possible for us to be able to live according to what God has commanded us to. We can't do it on our own. It's going to take God's spirit living on the inside of us to help us to break these generational curses, to help us to destroy um, these generational uh, sins that we continue to pass on from one generation to the next. Now, this scripture to me totally sums up what we just covered in the last episode. We were talking about how God made a covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and now Jacob. We saw where Jacob had reservations about serving God and who God really was. Now it is evident that he knew of God, but he didn't know God. He knew him as the God of his grandfather, Abram. He knew him as the God of his father, Isaac. But when it came to really knowing God, we see in the scripture that he didn't know God. He said, surely this place, when he found himself in Bethel, he said, surely uh, this place is a house of God. He feared and he trembled because of the presence of God that he felt in that place. So he had a, a, a knowledge of God, but he didn't know God. How many know there's a difference between having knowledge of something and actually knowing something? He, he didn't have yet, he had not yet had an experience with God for himself to know him as God. He knew him again as the God of Abraham, the God of, of Isaac. He referenced many times God as the God of his father, but he never referenced it as his God. So you can have knowledge about a thing, but until you know how to apply that thing, until you know how to use that thing, the knowledge does you no good. So to have knowledge of God will do us no good until we know how to go, until we know how to go to our father as father and cry out Abba father to him in an intimate way. Knowledge of him will do us no good. The enemy knows God. He know who God is. 
but he can't have an intimate relationship with God because he's beyond that point. We know that the enemy will never be saved. We know Satan's job comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He's doomed already. He's cursed to the end of the earth already. He's already doomed to hell, and he wants us to go be with him. But we got to understand, saints, that many of you today are listening to me right now. You maybe know God. You have a knowledge of God, but you have not yet experienced God for yourself. You have not yet had an encounter with God. I remember I did a series on a divine encounter with God about Jacob. There's a four-part series on this podcast. It is entitled A Divine Encounter with God. And it talks about Jacob's experience, how he experienced a social encounter, how he experienced a spiritual encounter, how he went through personal encounters, but then finally he had a divine encounter with God. That's where many of us have yet to get to, to that divine encountership with God. It was at Bethel that Jacob realized for himself who God really was. And it wasn't the first time around at Bethel. It was the second time around. We know from the last episode we talked about on the first time when he was at Bethel, he made God an agreement. He went and made a vow with the Lord and said, if the Lord will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and raiment to put on and bring me back to my father's house again in peace, then shall the Lord be my God. So there he hadn't made up his mind. He was just playing with the idea. He was trying to give God ultimatums. He was trying to tell God, if you do this with me, I'll do that. You know how many of us do when we get ourselves in trouble or find ourselves in a situation. God, if you deliver me from this, God, if you get me out of that, God, I'll never do this again. God, I'll never do that again. So here's Jacob saying the very same thing. He's saying, God, if you bring me to this place, if you give me bread to eat, if you keep me where I go, if you bring me back to the house of my father in peace, then I'll allow you to be my God. But we see that God took Jacob all the way to Haran. And even in the midst of Haran, with him fully not knowing who he was, in the power and the authority of who he was, he yet still blessed Jacob there in Quran. And not only did he bless him, he provided him with food abundantly. He blessed him with clothes abundantly. No matter what Laban tried to do to him, no matter how many times he tried to trick him out of his wages, God continued to allow the cattle to multiply. When Jacob left Haran, he left with all kinds of treasures, all kinds of goods. But not only did he leave with those treasures, but those wives that he went back in Haran and got, he also left with idols. He also left with some generational curses attached to his children. He also left with some generational sin following his bloodline back into the land of Canaan. Now, in the last episode, we talked about that it wasn't until the second time that he found himself in trouble when God had to tell him to go back to Bethel that he made up his mind. It was only until his sons allowed the uh, generational sin and, and the plagues of the ancestors to rise up in them that Jacob found himself on the run again from his enemy in fear. And he, we know that the Lord interceded with Jacob as always. And Jacob was told by God to go back to Bethel. He said, go back and dwell there. Not only dwell there, he said, I want you to stay there a while. I want you to stay there and build me an altar. So that, because why? Because this is where you're going to get to know me. Many of us in our life, we just need to go back to Bethel. We need to go back to when we first believed. We need to go back to the place where we first met the Lord, build an altar there, begin to dwell there before the Lord and get to know him all over again. Why? Because many of us have left our first love. We don't know who God is anymore. We've, we've allowed generational sin, generational curses to rule our lives. 
And then we call it, this just the way I am. This is just the way I was raised. Or oh, my daddy was like this. My mom was like this. The devil is a liar. Just because your daddy was an alcoholic, you don't have to be an alcoholic. Just because your daddy was a homemonger, you don't have to be a homemonger. Just because your mama was a backbiter or just because your mama was a thief or a prostitute, you don't have to be a prostitute. The curse is broken. The question is, does God impute sin? Do we carry the sins of the father? We know that in the Bible, the Bible tells us that Adam and Eve, that one sinful act of eating the fruit of the tree of knowledge and good and evil, which was forbidden by God, had consequences for all humanity. And we know that this gave us a clear example of, of sin being imputed and accounted uh, to individual humans. So we know that because of this act, and we talked about this in episode number three, Sins That Run Deep, we talked about how sin went all the way back to the Garden of Eden unto now. And it started with the deception that Satan pulled over on Eve. But we talked about how uh, the sin of one man, how it caused sin to fall upon many. And the Bible tells us in Romans, the fifth chapter and the 12th verse, it goes on to tell us, wherefore, as by one man's sin entered into the world, the death by sin, and so death passed upon all, for that all have sinned. We all know that we all are born in sin, shaped in iniquity. There is no way around it. But we also know that it was through the death of Jesus Christ and the resurrection of Jesus Christ that even so, by the death of one man and his resurrection, uh, through the obedience of Jesus Christ, that we all have been made righteous through God because of Jesus. That moreover, the law entered that the offense may abound, that where sin abound, a grace abound much more. We know that sin has uh, no more dominion over us. And we know because of Jesus Christ and the finished work of the cross, the curse is broken. However, it comes down to choice. And we like Jacob, we have to make a choice. At some point in our life, we have to make a decision that we're going to do and be obedient to the voice of the Lord. With the Bible goes on to tell us in the 35th chapter that we covered on last episode and the second verse that Jacob said unto his household to all that were with him, put away the strange gods that are among you and be clean and change your garments. So Jacob got everything and everybody together that was under his roof. And he began to tell them, he said, you got to put away these guys. It's time to put away these strange gods. He said, it's time to be clean and not only be clean, but we got to change our garments. I stopped by to tell you today, beloved, that it's time for you to change your garment. You need to change your old way of thinking. You need to change those old past generational sins, those old past generational habits, that way that you've been acting and behaving. All that old things need to be passed away. The Bible says, behold, all things become new. If any man be in Christ is a new creation. If you are a new creation and you are in Christ Jesus, why are you still holding on to the sins of the past? Why are you still holding on to generational sin, generational curses, still trying to do it the way your dad and your mama them did it? It's time to let that thing go. It's time to seek God. It's time to be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might prove what is that perfect, that acceptable will of God. Like never before, Jacob made a decision and it comes a time in our life where we have to make a choice. Just like Jacob, one of our key scriptures throughout this entire series is talking about this very thing. And just like the Lord gave the children of Israel, he's given us today a choice. He said in Deuteronomy 30 chapter in the 19th verse today, this day, I give you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. 
We can now choose, saints. We have a choice to make. He says, now I call upon heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. So he's calling upon heaven and earth. And heaven and earth is witnessing the choice that you're making this day. He said, oh, that you might choose life so that you and your descendants might live. So this thing is not just about you, beloved. This thing is also about your descendants and your descendants in this, that they might live. So you got to make the right choice today. Why do I say that? Because it's not just about you. Oh no, if that's what you thought, beloved, you are sadly mistaken. But believe me when I say that the next generation are depending on the choices that you make today. Don't think for a minute that any choice you make in your life, any decision that you follow through on, that is just affecting you. Not at all. It is affecting the next generation. The choices you make today have the power to affect the next generation. That's right. You have the power to decide today if the next generation will live or die. You have the power today to decide if your seed, your next generation is going to be blessed or if they're going to be cursed. That day at Bethel, Jacob made a choice and that choice began to affect the next generation. The Bible says everything in his household gave up their strange gods uh, that were in their hand. The Bible say they took those earrings out of their ears. And the Bible says, Jacob took all those things and he hid them in Shechem. And then he went and built the altar unto the Lord. And he called that place El Bethel, because that is where the Lord appeared to him when he fled from the face of his brother. Not only that, but it says God appeared unto Jacob again when he came to pay in Aram and he blessed him. So God is continuing to bless Jacob God said unto him once again that I'm going to make thy name great. He told him, he said, um, your name shall be no more called Jacob, but your name shall be called Israel. And this is where we got the 12 tribes of Israel. Now we're looking at the fourth generation of Abraham's seed. There was Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And then within Jacob, that is now his name was changed over to Israel. We have Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Zubalin. We have their daughter, uh, Dinah. We have Gad and Asher. You have Dan and Nephtali. And then we have Joseph and Benjamin. And these are the 12 tribes of Israel. This is the nation and the company of nations that the Lord is speaking of to Jacob when he said, a company of nations shall be of thee and kings shall come out of thy lines. These are the ones that he is referring to. But how many know just because Jacob made a decision and he told his household to put away their strange gods and to be clean and to change their garment didn't mean that everyone was going to do that. It didn't mean that everyone was going to automatically begin serving the Lord. Remember, these were the, the, the 10 that were raised over in Haran. They had already been learning the the generational sin of their forefathers and their ancestors. So everything that they learned while they were growing up in Haran, they brought it back with them over into the land of Canaan. Though although Jacob is trying to turn this thing around and trying to get his children to now serve God, they are already of age. You know how it is when we think we're grown or we of age. It's hard for anyone to tell us anything. Now we know from studying this series that they had a lot of generational sin and bad habits that they brought back from the land of Canaan. When we look down at the 35th chapter and the 22nd verse, we can see that unfolding. So just to let you know what was happening here, Rachel, uh, Jacob's beloved Rachel had just gave birth to Benjamin, the youngest son, and she passed away. And while he was in the process of mourning and while he was away, uh, burying Rachel, 
The Bible says that Israel journeyed and spread his tent beyond the tower of Ednor. And it came to pass when Israel dwelt in the land that Reuben went and laid with Bila, uh, his father's concubine. Now, just to remind you who Bila is, remember that Bila was the handmaid of Rachel. So when Jacob went to Haran and he worked there those 20 years for Rachel, ended up with Leah and then worked for another six years for his wages, Leah gave Jacob Zibala, who was her handmaid, and Rachel gave Jacob um, Billa, which was her handmaid. So here Rachel has just passed away, and I can only imagine how uh, Israel must have felt, or Jacob must have felt at this time. Here he is mourning the loss of his beloved Rachel, and he does have Billa, who has left Rachel's handmaid, whom she gave to her, uh, him, but then you find out in the midst of your mourning that your oldest son, Reuben, has now been sleeping with your concubine, who's been sleeping with your wife. What disrespect that had to be unto Israel. But this is what we're talking about. We're talking about generational sin, generational curses, sins of the father. We're talking about the things that followed this bloodline. And just to remind you that the son of Leah, uh, which which Leah bare unto Jacob, that was Reuben, Jacob's firstborn, that was Simeon and Levi, who uh, were the ones who went in and killed all the men of Shechem, defending their sister Dinah. And then there was also bored by Leah, Judah, and Issachar, and Zubalin. And then you had Rachel, his beloved, whom he loved so dearly. Rachel only gave Jacob two sons, which were Joseph and Benjamin. And then you had the sons of Bila, which was Rachel's handmaid, uh, Dan, and Neptala. And then you had the sons of Zephala, which was Leah's handmaid, Gad, Asher, and these were Jacob's son. These were born unto him in Padanaram. All of these were Jacob's sons. These made up the 12 tribes of Israel. Now, as we continue to get closer to our final episode, which is going to be part eight on the next uh, episode that we do, it's going to be our final episode. We want to touch on the life of Joseph because even though Jacob had now declared that the God of heaven and earth is now the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he still was not totally the God of his sons. There was still a lot of things going on in the life of the next generation, Joseph's sons. And we want to touch on that a little bit. So if you would just turn with me to Genesis, the 37th chapter, we're going to just touch on the life of Joseph. And the Bible says in the 37th chapter of Genesis that Jacob dwelt in the land wherein his father was a stranger in the land of Canaan. And these are the generations of Jacob. Joseph being 17 years old was feeding the flock with his brothers. The lad was with the sons of Bila, the sons of Zibala, his father's wife. And Joseph brought unto his father their evil report. So we see here that Joseph is out in the field and he's out there with his brothers feeding the flock. Now it is, he's with the sons of Bila and he's with the sons of uh, Zilpah. So he's actually out there in the field with Gad and Asher. He's out there with Dan and Neptali. And the Bible says that he brought back his father, an evil report. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age and made him a coat of many colors. So here it is again. That favoritism. Remember I told you about favoritism, which are, uh, which breeds civil and rivalry that has a history throughout this generation or this bloodline already. And it seems that Jacob had a big problem with favoritism because I'm reminded back in the Bible where it says in Genesis, the, third, the 29th chapter, 
it goes on to tell us that Jacob loved Rachel more than he loved Leah. And the Bible said that the Lord saw that Leah was hated and opened the womb, uh, opened her womb up, but Rachel was barren. So because the Lord knew that Jacob loved Rachel more than he loved Leah, he allowed Leah to conceive sons for Jacob. And she began to have son after son until it got to the point where Rachel was upset and she wanted to know why the Lord was not allowing her to bear. So then she gave, remember, she gave Jacob, Jacob, her handmaid, whom her father Laban had given unto her, she gave Billah to Jacob and Billah began to produce sons for Jacob. So they were going back and forth. When Leah wasn't having a baby, she was given to, uh, Nephthalah was having the babies. And when Rachel couldn't bear, she gave Billah over to Jacob and, Je and Billah bared. And then Rachel began to bear. So they were back and forth, going back and forth in a sibling rivalry sort of way having babies for Jacob. And this is why he ended up with so many children, the 12 tribes of Israel, because they kept going back and forth. There was bad blood between Leah and Rachel at times because of Jacob and because of this situation. I'm reminded of one portion of the scripture talked about where Reuben had went out into the wheat field and he found mandrakes in the field. And he brought those mandrakes back to Leah. And Rachel desired to have the mandrakes. So she asked Leah to give her the mandrakes. And then we see that Leah got smart with Rachel and said, is it a small matter that thou have taken my husband? Will thou take my son Mandrakes also? And then Rachel said, therefore, he shall lie with thee tonight for thy son's Mandrakes. So she pretty much sold Jacob out for some Mandrakes. She said, okay, I'll give you these Mandrakes if you let Joseph come, Jacob come into my bed tonight and sleep with me. So when Jacob came out of the field that evening, Leah went out to meet him instead of Rachel. And then... um. He, she came up to him and said, surely I have hired thee for my son Mandrakes. And he lay with her that night. <laughs> so they were even pimping, I say pimping Joseph, Jacob out for Mandrakes. When I tell you this family has some stuff with them, this family has some stuff with them. So I'm telling you, you can look throughout the Bible. As I told you, there is nothing new under the sun. If God can use this family, if he can use Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob bloodline, surely the Lord can use you. But we see in this 31st chapter that here Jacob is showing favoritism again. And he would, you would think he would know better because his father loved Esau. His mother loved him. And he grew up feeling that pain. He grew up knowing what it was like to be ostracized and not treated as the favorite child. But here he is now still inflicting this onto the next generation. He studied passing this down. And the Bible says that in the third chapter that Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age and he made him a coat of many colors. But when the brothers saw their father loved him more than all his other brethren, they hated him and could not speak peacefully unto him. So here it is. He started up the civil robbery thing all over again that has spread it all the way from the Garden of Eden. Remember you had this going on because Cain killed Abel. He was jealous because God blessed of the offering and didn't bless his. And then we had that uh, same thing happen with um, Isaac and Ishmael, where she was, Ishmael was supposedly joking or taunting um, Isaac and, and Sarah said, no, you're not going to have any parts of this. Throw him out. So they threw, threw out Ishmael and his mother uh, because of this. This is a certain amount of sibling rivalry. And then we go on to Jacob and Esau. We see that uh, Jacob, uh, was loved more by his mother 
and Esau was loved more by his father. There was sibling robbery going on even in the womb between these two. The Bible said it was two nations fighting within the womb among each other. Two different nationalities of people that were in her womb. And it just continued to carry on and on. You see how this thing continues to trickle on. But the Bible says that Joseph had a dream. And the dream, when he told the dream to his brothers, they hated him ever the more. We all know the story of Joseph and how this thing unfolded. They hated Joseph. They didn't want nothing to do with him. So in this dream, we know Joseph began to tell them what his dream was. And the Bible says when he got done telling them what the dream was about, in the 11th verse, it says his brothers envied him. But his father observed the saying. So they began to not really not like him. They envied him even more. We know that hatred had the tendency to turn over to envy. And envy had the propensity to turn over into murder. And we know this is exactly what almost happened to jo Joseph. Except the Lord had his hand on Joseph and had a greater plan for the life of Joseph. And because we're already over our time, I'm going to stop here today. I just wanted to follow through with this because I did kept telling you again and again that I was going to talk about Joseph. But every time I got ready to go back to the series to do the next episode, the Lord would change it and give me something else. And I would continue to have to go back to go forward, to go back to go forward. That's why I encourage you to go back and listen to all of the parts of this series so that you can keep up with where I'm going because the Lord had me going back and forth. He kept showing me different things throughout the series and he wanted me to go back and show you this and I kept going backwards and forward with this. So I do want you to come back on our final and last episode, which is going to be part eight of the series concluding with the life of Joseph. I want to show you the similarities, how the generational curse and generation sin continued to trickle down through the first, second to the third, and now the fourth generation. And we want to also talk about our scripture that we have a key scripture throughout this series. It's coming from Exodus, the 34th chapter and the seventh verse, where the Lord said, I lavish unfailing love to a thousand generations. I forgive iniquity, rebellion, and sin, but I do not excuse guilt. I lay the sins of the parents upon the children and the grandchildren. The entire family is affected even the children in the third and the fourth generation. So we're going to be concluding with the fourth generation. We're going to touch on generational blessings, generational curses, and we're going to close out this series with how to break generational curses and generational sins from your life. I hope you have enjoyed this series. I'm telling you, I have enjoyed myself. This has been a long series. We have been going through this series since February, but we are finally getting to the end of it. So I want you to come back and join me on the next episode where we're going to be closing out this dynamic series entitled Generational Curses, Generational Sin, Sins of the Father. If you have not went to our Facebook page, I do want you to do so and be a part of our Facebook family at Yasha Ministry Walker on Facebook. I also want you to know that on Facebook, we have a group page that we would love for you to be a part of. That is going to be Let's Rap Reveals group page on Facebook. Also, I don't want to leave without giving you a chance to be a blessing to this ministry. You can be a blessing as little as $5 or more, whatever the Lord lays on your heart. There is a part on this podcast that say become a patron. We would greatly appreciate any gift that you're willing to give. There's no amount too small or too large. Just whatever the Lord lays on your heart to continue to bless this ministry to go around the globe. I want you to know as always that I love you, but you better always know that God will love you more. Until the next time, I am Elder Shanina Walker. Have a blessed day.